Father, we love you. Thank you that you want to speak. Thank you that you're always speaking and that you have this incredible plan of um, speaking to us through your spirit, through your word, through our voices. And I just ask you to come and to speak to each one of us. Make that still small voice a little bit clearer. Ground us in it. Teach us to live from it. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, stand and let's read the scripture for this morning. It comes out of 1 Kings 19. Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire. But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me, too. This is the word of the Lord. So we're in a series on hearing from God, and we've been in it for maybe four weeks now. Oh, I just spilled my water, y'all. I just kicked it over. (laughs) Um, We're in a series on hearing from God, and the topic this morning is the still, small voice. And the power of the still, small voice. The importance of the still small voice. And that often we're looking for things like a big earthquake. We say things like, I just want God to show me. I just want this to be super clear. I want him to hit me on the face with a two by four. I want him to say this. But that the reality of our faith life and the reality that we see when we study scripture from beginning to end is that there is a consistency of the sound of the Lord. And very often, it's the still, small voice. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about it in in light of Elijah. And then I want to just share from my experience of listening to the Lord. Because this is probably my favorite thing to talk about. It's it's close to my heart. I feel like it's like my call to help people hear God's voice. For me to continue to learn more and more what his voice sounds like. And there's a clue in here for me. Um, One of the things that David is highlighting in his sermon is that hearing from God is a process. It's a journey, and we don't always get it every time or the first time or the second time, but it's really like taking a walk. 
I don't know if David called it that, but that's what I'd call it. And I think that that word has been a little overused in faith circles. It's like, how's your walk with God? And then you don't even think about it like that anymore. But it really is. If you're in this room, you're walking with him. So to assume that we can hear from God assumes a couple things. It assumes, one, that he speaks. It assumes that if you're supposed to hear from him, that you actually can. That if you have physical ears, it's so that you can hear. And there's a problem. When somebody can't hear, it's hard. It's not the way that it's maybe best intended our ears are to hear. So we have spiritual ears, too. If he wants to speak to us and he says, listen to me, come to me, then you are able to hear. So that assumption aside, two assumptions, that he speaks and that we can hear from him. What does he sound like is the question. And Elijah here, um, the reason I backed us up and had us read one extra scripture in here, and it was Elijah basically coming to God and saying, where are you? They're about to kill me. And if you go further back, I encourage you all to go home and read like more of the context. Read 1 Kings 18, 19, 20. Because you'll see that this is, I mean, Elijah hears from God. He's a prophet of God. He hears from God all the time. He has angels, angels ministering to him. And he's just coming off of a season of like the high in his ministry where, remember, he's the guy who is basically setting up this thing where he says, it fails God then Baal come and set this altar on fire. Call your God. Get him to come set it on fire. If God's God, then God will come and, you know, take the sacrifice. And what happens is the people worshiping Baal do all kinds of things. You know, they cut themselves. They worship. They go all out. And nothing happens. And God comes and, like, sets everything on fire on Elijah's altar, including sucks up all the water. Hands down, our God is God. Baal doesn't hear. Our God hears, and he talks, and he's in relationship. So he's coming off of that, and Ahaz, I mean Ahaz, what's his name, Ahab? Ahab and Jezebel are mad. They're the king and queen who serve Baal, and they're, they're so mad. They've killed a lot of the prophets already. And the truth is that, and Scripture tells us this, that there's thousands of people who love God, who never bowed their knee to Baal, and some prophets who are hidden. But Elijah doesn't know that. All he knows is that some people are really mad at him now, and he's depressed. I mean, he's literally depressed. If you read in here, he, want, he goes out into the desert and just wants to lie down and die. He says, it would be better if I just died. So he comes off of this huge high and crashes into a low. And so his dialogue with God as he's walking is, where are you? They're about to kill me, and all of your people have abandoned you. So he's saying, like, what is going on? And his encounter with God doesn't change what he's saying. It doesn't change what he actually feels. So God invites him, and it's, it's a little bit further or earlier in the scripture. Um, God sends an angel to him and gives him food. When he's really depressed, he gives him food and water, something you need. If you're depressed, you need to eat, you need to drink, you need to get up. Really practical. And then he says, go to Mount Horeb. So he goes on this 40-day journey. And I just want us to think about that journey as a walk. Because that's what he would have done. He walks for 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb. And we know that that's Mount Sinai. It's a specific location on Mount Sinai where God gave 
his word to his people when he led everybody out of slavery from Egypt. And then Moses is there and he says, God says, come, everybody come close because I want to speak to you. And the people see the thunder and they see the crazy stuff going on on Mount Horeb. And they say, Moses, you go talk to him because we're scared. We see the thunder and the lightning. We're scared of that. So what I love is that, you know, years and years later, the same God who's still speaking to his people, his family, giving him his word, still wanting to speak. He's and still very much active in Elijah's life. He says, Elijah, go back to Mount Horeb. So, you know, in Elijah's mind, he's thinking, okay, this is where you speak. This is where you will respond to me in power. And he goes and God puts him. He says, come up here. I'm going to pass before you. And what do you get? You get the earthquake. And it's, it's like, but that's not, but God wasn't in it. And then you get the wind, and it's powerful, but God wasn't in it. And then you get this still, small voice. And in the Hebrew, which I'm not a Hebrew scholar, I know most of us are not, there's this thing called Blue Letter Bible. Write it down if you're interested. It helps me so much. I always go to Blue Letter Bible, and I just pull up a verse, and then you can click. Once you pulled it up, you can click on the link that the verse says. Like if it says First King 19, you just click it. And all of a sudden, this thing pops up, and it gives you every Hebrew word and its definition. And then you can click on the Hebrew word and see the very first time it was used. And why does that matter? Because it's an ancient rabbinical way of studying Scripture that we go to the first use. Because God might be speaking to us because... This is so amazing. And Elijah is probably thinking about the first story of Mount Horeb when he's walking back. So anyway, the still small voice, the very first time that the word for, and it's not still small voice in there, the idea is like he comes in a quiet whisper, in a still whisper. And that word still is like, it's like an absence of vibration. It's like still. So he comes in this still, and for me that brings up, and this rings true with my experience of hearing God's voice, is it's peaceful. It comes from a peaceful place. It's not full of anxiety. It's not full of my, all the chatter that can go on in my brain. I'm, I'm thinking of the scriptures where he talks about be still and know that I'm God. So... Elijah experiences this, and this text says that it's like a still whisper, and that it's a sound. That God sounds like something. So, my question for us this morning is, what does God sound like? And I want to suggest to you that the most important thing about hearing God's voice is um, understanding that you are taking a walk with him in your life. That he will never leave you. There's a scripture in Psalm 27 that says, Even if my mother and father abandon me, the Lord will never forsake me. And so when you're thinking about hearing God's voice, in my mind I'm thinking I'm taking a walk with him through my life. And whether I know it or not, I may be really afraid like Elijah. I may be depressed. I may have gone through a high and then crashed into a low. And I may be thinking thoughts or hearing voices that tell me that I'm alone and I'm abandoned and I better be afraid because I'm going to die. It may not be that extreme. It just may be a hard situation that feels like, you know what, there's no hope here. There's no, there's no way out. I don't understand. I'm confused. 
And like Elijah, I'm really tempted a lot of times to stay in that place of the dialogue in my head that says, well, I'm just confused and there's no way out and this is hopeless and it would be better if this. And for a lot of us, sometimes that's been, it would be better if this, if this just ended the situation. But what does God do? He grounds Elijah. And Elijah, what I love about this is that Elijah listens for the sound and he knows the sound of God. And the very first place that that word sound is used is in um, Genesis 3. It's Genesis 3.8 and I'm just going to read it. And this is the very first time in scripture that the word for this, that sound is used. It says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And when the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walk. I heard, and the, the, the word comes up again here. It says, I heard your sound in the garden. So I hid and I was afraid because I was naked. And that hits at the, the heart of hearing from God is, what does he sound like when he walks in the garden? And do we really believe we're invited to walk with him? That he will walk with us whether we know it or not? And so the question of can you hear from God goes away if you start to believe, if our faith is really real, that Jesus paid the price for us to have full connection to Jesus, to him and the Father and the Holy Spirit, then we're just in that same place as Adam and Eve. We can hear the sound of God walking. And we're invited into this walk. I mean, Scripture, that picture of God's heart that is that we walk with him in the cool of the day in the garden, that that's our life. That is resurrected life. Taking a walk with him in the cool of the day. Coming to him instead of hiding in shame. And we have a choice just like Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve felt shameful because they ate ate a bite of, they plugged themselves into the tree of the knowledge of good and evil rather than the tree of life himself. So they're walking, they've been walking with Jesus, and all of a sudden they feel something that doesn't feel like the sound of him. And they listen to a different sound that says, you're naked, be afraid, hide. Elijah's listening to a different sound that's saying, you're alone, you're depressed, it's over, you might as well just die. But what Elijah does is he continues the dialogue. And so I'm going to encourage us, and I'm going to wrap up here because we're going to do communion. But I want to encourage us to continue the dialogue. And I'm going to give you a little space. I know Michael did a little bit of this last week. But I want to give you a little space um, to ask him. Because what Elijah does is he goes to God with his stuff. Elijah knows that his thoughts are not just like a circular thing of himself thinking all the time that he's in dialogue he's in relationship and that god hears him and that god cares and will respond and god does respond and elijah when he comes and he says i'm i'm here's my stuff he he listens to what god says and i wonder if maybe there's times for us that we go to hear from god and what happens is there's an earthquake going on in our, in our world, or maybe even just in our mind. And we think it's his voice. Or maybe we just think that he doesn't talk because what we hear and what we see is the earthquake. But I want to encourage you that often the sound of the Lord is not in the earthquake. 
So wait and ask and listen. And then there's these winds going, and maybe they're the winds of anxiety. Am I, am I going to, am I, you know, am I going to be okay? Okay, and maybe we even stop there and we start walking And we're still with God walking, but we have a choice. So we start walking, listening to the wind of anxiety that's swirling, rather than recognizing that God was not in the wind. That was not his sound. And maybe there's a fire. Maybe there's a fire, and it seems so big. And maybe often we do this. We blame God for the fires in our life. We think, that's him. Well, he's in control. He put this in my life. Rather than recognizing, no, he's not the fire. He's the still voice after it that meets me. The one that gave me bread when I needed it. He's the one that sent an angel to me to get me out of that place of depression. He's the one that said, get up and walk. He's the one that continued to speak truth to me even when I'm spinning and I'm going to die. And he's the one that when we wait and we continue to settle and listen for his voice that we know is peaceful, that is full of love and life, speaks to Elijah and he says, hey, there's 7,000 others. You're not the only one. He's the voice of truth that speaks and gets us out of that place of despair. And he continues and he, t- he gives Elijah a game plan. If you read on, he says, this is what's going to happen. And he gives Elijah, that's when he tells him he's going to have a predecessor, Elisha, who will follow him and do twice the amazing things that Elijah did through the power of God. So this morning, um, I'm going to leave us with just about a one-minute space to just settle and listen. And I don't really want you to run from those voices of, well, I don't know if I hear him, or I don't know if I hear him right, or there's this situation in my life and it feels like an earthquake. Instead, I want you to voice it. If you need to write it out, write it out. That helps me a lot. And then ask him. And direct it to Jesus. Jesus is the word made flesh. He's in you. Because you were spoken into being by the word of God. So the word is in you. So you ask him, Jesus, but what do you say? I feel this, but Jesus, what do you say? And then listen for the very next thought that comes in your head. The very next one. I'm going to give you a little space to do that right now. And Holy Spirit, thank you that you speak with a still, small voice that is consistent. And if we need to know what that voice looks like, we measure it with Jesus. The Word made flesh, the full revelation of the Father's heart. So we come and we give you our questions. We give you, we meet you right where we are in our thought walk. And we keep walking in dialogue with you. But Jesus, what do you say?
Jesus, teach us what you sound like. And as we come up and we walk to the table and receive communion, with each step of that little walk that we make to the table, will you remind us of this walk with you? That we're in constant connection. And that we can cultivate ears for the still small voice. In Jesus' name, amen.